Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the Block and Nickel Podcast. I'm your moderator for now and forever, Donnell. Today we're going to be talking about some terms. We're going to be talking about investing, generational wealth, and ownership. What comes to your mind when you hear those terms, investing, generational wealth, and ownership? What kind of person do you envision? Do you see a person? Do you see yourself? Do you see yourself when you bring up those terms, investing, generational wealth, and ownership? You should. You should. You should see yourself, yourself, when those terms have dropped investing. You should say, oh, I do that. Ownership. Oh, I'm an owner. Generational wealth. I'm working on that. That should be the first thing that comes to your mind. It shouldn't be a terminology. It shouldn't be a definition. The wheels in your brain should not be turning. You should not have to think. When those terms are dropped, investing. Oh, I do that. Ownership. Oh, I am a owner. Generational wealth. Working on that. Generational wealth. I'm working on that. Those are the type of responses that should come from your soul when you hear those terms. If not, welcome to the Block and Nickel Podcast. We're here to work on that. That's where you should be. That's what should be coming from you. You shouldn't be Googling this. You shouldn't be figure, trying to figure out what's what. When someone says investing, the first thing that comes to your mind should be, oh, I do that. Or it should be something related to you practicing investing. Ownership. It should come to your mind. Oh, I'm working on that. Oh, I am an owner. That should be the first thing that comes to your mind. Generational wealth. Same thing. I'm working on that. Oh, maybe I need to go do that. What I'm getting to the point of saying is when you hear those three terms, it should elicit a feeling or an emotion that is selfish. Not selfish in a way where you want to take advantage of someone else or you want to hoard something. Not in that practice. Not in that perspective. Selfish in a perspective that you are thinking about where you should be, something you should be doing, or it should make you chuckle and say, hey, I'm on top of that. Or, you know, selfish in that way, where you are picturing yourself and your daily or monthly or weekly dealings with these three topics, investing, ownership, or generational wealth. Somewhere along the line, somewhere in history, 
somewhere in time, we started to fix our minds or prepare our minds to invest for wealth. Investing for wealth. Now, when I say wealth, I'm, I'm just talking about an abundance of something, an abundance of time, an abundance of properties, an abundance of financial assets. So you see, that that that's where a lot of people start at. They invest because they want to become wealthy. I think that's putting putting the cart before the horse. Because there's a middle there's a, there's a middle piece in that. Ownership. I invest for ownership. I invest for ownership because wealth is a derivative of ownership. Wealthy. I may be wealthy in time. I may be wealthy in money. Those are the derivatives of being an owner. You see, different type of investing, that the different forms of investing, the platforms I invest on are merely just vehicles to help me become an owner, an owner of my time, an owner of my property, an owner of a business. Some people invest for all three. I invest for ownership of property. But you should be invested for ownership of either your time, property, or business. Owning any one of those categories, time, business, or property, Wealth will become a derivative of those owners. And if you don't know, and, and if you don't know what a derivative is, you can go, you can Google that, you can look it up and <laughs> it'll make all of this clear. You see, I, or real property or businesses, you see, these are these these are three categories that will that if you own any of these wealth will become a derivative of those categories. You know, you can't own your time. That's capital. That's that is something that you can't own. A lot of us don't own our time, you know. We have schedules. We have places to be. If we are not there, there will be grave consequences for not showing up. Ownership of time is something you can't invest for. That's deep, right? <laughs> Let it marinate. Because it, it is so real. Ownership of time is something that you should or could invest in. Owning property, that is your property. There are, there are so many laws. There is so much you, that you can do to fight for your land. You own that. But you got to pay your taxes. That's about it. You pay taxes on it, but you own it. It is yours. I mean, there is something called eminent domain, and that happens. 
But there, there are there are so many laws that 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 can stop that. No one can just take your land. They have to fight you for that. That is yours. Owning property will make you wealthy. Now, I I didn't say one property gonna make you wealthy. You know, there, there's a within reason. You have to be a little understanding with it. But owning property, ownership of property, you can start a business. You could purchase a percentage of a business. That's what Warren Buffett does. He buys businesses. So he owns a percentage of those companies. You see, that's what buying stocks are all about. People looking at the market and all that stuff like that. But, man, you want to make money in the stock market? Put yourself in this mindset. I am purchasing businesses. Look for the ones that make sense. Look for the ones that are making money. Look for the ones that have real products. Look for the ones that have real demand. It's simple. It's not rocket science. So you can invest for ownership of properties. Or you can purchase businesses in the real world. There, there, there's so many, there's so many ways you can you can attack. I invest for ownership. Because I know that wealth is merely a byproduct of ownership. Wealth is simply an abundance of something. So, I don't invest because I want a lot of money. Because I'll let you in on a secret. You don't own your money. The government owns your money. They tell you how to spend it, when to spend it, and how much of it you can carry. So, I don't invest for money. I invest for ownership and I do not confuse being a owner with having a lot of money because there are, there are a lot of people who have a lot of money and they don't own a damn thing. They work for people. And that is, that is, that is, that's good because everyone can't be an owner. Everyone does not want to invest. There's some people that say, hey, I just want to earn an income. The income that I earn will be what generates me my wealth. There are tons of CEOs, specialists in the medical field who this, they are merely rich because they have a large earning potential. They can make a lot of money just by working. So they may be invested into a, a specific education that is a byproduct that, that brings, that allows them to become wealthy because of their education. Now, I don't want to dwell on that too much. You should be invested for ownership. Now, we got when I we got to stop looking at ownership from a black and white perspective. I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about just black and white. 
And this is why I brought up those categories of time. You know, I, that's why I spoke about it because that's, that's, that's different. A lot of people don't talk about owning their time, but you can own your time. You just have to invest right. You invest into the right things that will allow you to own your time. You know, life isn't black and white. It's a very gray area. It's a very gray world. So ask yourself, what do you want to own? Real property, time, a business. Just know this, you can't own money. So get that out of your head. You need money to live. You can't take it to the grave with you. But you also can't own it. You can't own money. But let's let's switch gears. Intro put us in it put the vehicle let's put the vehicle in fifth gear cuz I think we're cruising now. Let's let's talk about generational wealth and the transformation of wealth. When I graduated in 2008, I uh I moved back to my hometown of Miami and I started working with an insurance firm, independent. It was owned by a Jewish family, a father, a son, and another son. So it was a father and two sons who owned this insurance firm. One son was the accountant, the other son was the salesman, and the father was the CEO. And the company was split in those ways. So you had the accounting team. They worked on them. I'm going to remain, keep them nameless. Then you had the sales team. I was a part of the sales team. And you had the father who was the CEO. And also a great mentor. Jacob. In the office, we called him Yaakov. And, you know, we, we would... uh often debate about a lot of things and they would come and they would bother me because I had a degree but I was working for them. Jacob had a degree but his sons one of them did but one of them didn't. But at the end of the day that's neither here nor there. You know we were all making money a lot of it and we would have a lot of discussions about Wealth and how wealth flowed and this is, this is a insurance guy. So, you know, he, he had a lot of takes on things. He had a lot of perspectives and he had a lot of views. But what I walked away from, from a, a lot of this was I'm specifically talking about wealth and generational wealth. I walked away from your, your kids should not start from zero. Just because you started from zero does not mean they should start from zero. You are doing your children a significant disservice by allowing them to start from zero. That song, uh, Daddy Made, Spend It. If you dead broke, that's your dad's fault. Man, there's nothing so truer than that. If you are dead broke, that is your daddy's fault. <laughs> you dead broke, that's your daddy's fault. Man, that made so much sense because this, these are the things that me and Jacob would talk about. When you die, 
If your will is set up right, it should be a glorious death. It should be a time that your family, while they will be sad that you are leaving and you are gone, it should be an event. Because that ownership that we talked about before will be transferred. When you die, that ownership, whether it was time, whether it was real property or businesses, will be transferred. Remember, wealth is a derivative of ownership. So, by you transferring that ownership to the next generation, you are allowing them to become wealthy. And you don't want to you don't want to transfer bad ownership. You want it to be well managed. Free and clear of liens and debt. Well managed and free and clear. Maybe you had a, a, an insurance policy that paid out some cash. Or maybe paid some cash flow to your descendants. We got to stop allowing our kids to start from zero because we did it. I want to. I brought up something about this insurance policy. I'm, I'm bringing this back because I'm, I want to show you something that I observed. I was coming up. I would go visit my grandma. My grandma stayed in the projects in Miami, Sugar Hill Projects. And something that I would always see, I would always see the insurance guys in the projects. This this is back in the days, man. We're talking about, I, we're talking the early 90s. Mid 90s, I'm sorry. 95, 96. Because I, I'm 32, so I'm young enough to know, I'm young enough to understand what the younger generation is, but I'm old enough to understand what, what is history. And, I, and I've always been an a alert person, you know. My father, he owned companies. My dad, my grandpa, he owned companies. So I've always been that guy that I, I could see things. So one, one thing, and this did not make sense to me until I got into college, but I'm going to tell you the story. The guys would come knock on the door. They would sell these policies, these insurance policies, these death insurance policies that if your child was killed, we would pay you this amount of money in. The insurance company would pay out this amount of money in. It would give this much money to your kids, I mean, to you, and you would be able to bury them and all, all that kind of stuff like that. But what I noticed is that when I got a little older, I started asking myself, especially when I got out of college and I, I started, you know, and I started working in the insurance industry and I started to ask myself, why didn't these guys offer my grandma all the financial instruments, instruments that were possible? They, they definitely existed in the 90s. You know, 
Why didn't they offer my grandma the life insurance policy that would pay out half a million dollars? Think about that, you know? So, I'm, I'm saying this, and I know it's, it's weird and it's off topic and all that, but, you know, they didn't give a, a damn. They didn't sell, they didn't offer these project products because they didn't want us to have it. You think somebody who's paying $15 a month for burial insurance on their kids because this is a dangerous neighborhood, do you not think they would pay another $15 a month for a Death policy, a whole life in policy, a whole life policy, something like that. Of course they would have. You know, we got, we got, we have to stop that. We have to ask more questions. We ought to make sure that when we die, we leave some property. We leave some money. We got to pass down our ownership so our kids will not start from zero. I am Donnell Dirty, your moderator for now and forever. And this is the Block and Nickel Podcast. Thank you.